Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Welcome into the Asylum and happy Independence Day to all. We are Flieger and Briggs. Welcome into the Asylum for another episode of the Asylum Sports Show on Arena Sports Network. Arenasportsnet.com where we can be heard all week long at 8 o'clock. And uh, I'm Rick Briggs, and my partner Rick Flieger is sitting right across the After studio from me. sprinting in, sprinting in, Rick, from the control room. Thank you so much, Please Allie do not Andre. lie to the people. If you sprinted five steps, you'd be gasping for air. Well, I am gasping <laughs> for air. It, it, it's, it's a tough business, Rick, but that is right. I tell you, if you don't think the Asylum takes this seriously, if you don't think this is a show you should be listening to, List me out your favorite radio host, Rick, and tell me who's working here today on the 4th right. of July. The birth of this great nation is of no consequence <laughs> to us, Rick, as the fireworks boom in the background. Exactly. We are in the studio providing you the latest sports news and fantasy content. And all I can say is you are welcome. Exactly. And, uh, you know... You don't need to really thank us. Just send money. We'll take that. And, um, you know, the kind words really don't affect us a whole lot. But, no, really, welcome in. Happy Independence Day. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday away from work, whatever you're doing. Hey, Rick, uh, it's time to get down to meat and potatoes time. we got to start analyzing some of these teams and some fantasy stuff. And, yeah, no uh, time for a lot of nonsense. It, it's getting it's July, man. down to business. Before we do that, one one sports headline I do want to hit. Man, very very fantasy football. You see, I am out of running back. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, control. I had to run back in if you <laughs> could hear me clanging around. Uh, Adam Schefter, Rick, reporting that there is a possibility – and if this came from anywhere else, I wouldn't even talk about it until there was something more definitive. But Schefter tends to get it right a heck of a lot more often than he gets it wrong. That Ezekiel Elliott could be facing suspension for that. My God, Rick, it feels like it's been over two years, these domestic uh, violence accusations against him. I have no clue what the background of the story was. Obviously, anytime, it's always hairy when you get into this domestic violence right. type of stuff. And the league, uh, rightly so, taking it seriously. But this just seems to have been going on for a long time. Uh, see, uh, J- Jimmy Kempsky, I hope I have that right, from phillyvoice.com, says this is a situation that's gone back and forth so many times. He's spoken to some people within the league who, during the course of the offseason, got a sense that some sort of discipline could happen. So I, maybe they've, it's, it's gone on further and they're getting there. But that, that's a big deal. And here's what you have to wonder, and here's why it's kind of stupid for us to speculate on it now, and I don't think we'll spend all that much time on it. But when you when you really examine it, Rick, is until we know what the length of the suspension is. If it's a two-game suspension, then we're just rehashing the Le'Veon Bell conversation <laughs> from the last two, three, ten seasons because he's always suspended at the beginning of every year. But the, the stance the NFL has taken on this, you know, are, are we looking at six, eight, ten I, games, something like that? I, I mean, I have no idea. It's one of those things that, um, you know, this supposedly happened last July, so we're talking a year. Yeah, a full I year. I mean, you know, you've watched it. Everybody out there has watched an episode of Cops. They get called to some house on a domestic violence thing. They slap the cuffs oh, on yeah. this guy, and he's gone. I mean, what's there to investigate? I mean, you Let's face it, there's no bruising, 
from a year ago. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's yeah, just, it's, it's he said, she said. What so, is the discussion? Right. I, and why wasn't there discipline last year? Exactly. Is what I this is what drives me crazy. And if they come around, I mean, look, we've seen players get suspended with no charges against them. So this is what really bothers me, that there may be some sort of um, discipline from the NFL coming towards Ezekiel Elliott. Look, if if there's no charges, to me, there's no foul. You wouldn't think. I, I mean, mean... You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's because high-profile people a lot of times get named or get investigated right, by law right. stuff when they've done nothing. But And I'm not saying he's innocent, don't get me wrong, but how does this take so long? Well, and that's what my thought is. The other side, I, I tend to agree with what you're saying, Rick. Charge him, suspend him, do what you're going to do, but this thing's been a year. You, that, that point is actually well made. I, I thought it was kind of funny when you first said it. But generally, unless you're talking about long-term, sustained, uh, is, I don't know, is there anything such thing as subtle abuse, you know, there was an incident, it was investigated, it either happened or it didn't. Right. You know, why are the police taking a year to file charges on something like this? Exactly. Look, I'm all right if you as the NFL have decided we're taking an absolute zero tolerance, even an accusation is going to be suspendable. For me, that's fine. And let them in the union fight that out, right? Right. But, you know, to sit on this for a year and what comes of it and, th- and things get murky and things get, get muddled, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I'm all right with our stances. If you get accused of this, you're going to sit down till we get it sussed out. Me, personally, in my paycheck, I'm all right with that. Right. right? And mm-hmm. that, like I said, let them in the union fight it out. But th- this is very strange to me. Well, this it's also unfair. Right. And, and I'm saying to throw Ezekiel Elliott aside, I mean, it's unfair to the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's a team that's preparing, and all of a sudden, what, we get into mid-August, oh, by the way, your boy's sitting down for four games. Right. And it's like, huh? Yeah, and I mean, I have to assume as fantasy football, not to be so crass, has to take something as serious as domestic violence and tie it into fantasy football, but that is what we do here. You know, sort of in my mind, I guess here's what you're thinking. We're talking in hypotheticals now. Two games, doesn't affect me. He's still the number two or number three player taken overall. Four games, five games, six games. What's the amount of games where you say, all right, this this guy's dropping. This guy's dropping like a rock. I, I don't know what the answer is. We haven't really faced that. You know, we've seen eight-game suspensions on guys that would normally be top two or three rounders falling into the eighth or ninth. Somebody who's feeling good about their squad jumps on it. But you're talking a unique talent, uh, a lockdown, at least number three overall at minimum. I've seen him go two, and in some rare instances in standard leagues, I've seen him go number one overall. Let's just say, Rick, hypothetically, he gets five games. For some reason, five games. I, they've never set a standard for this, I don't think, right? I mean... That I can recall. Yeah, I have no idea. That they're, you know, we're, we're starting to get that hemmed in with the drug policy, right? The first one's this many games, and then we add on from there. You know, five games, you're picking number three. Ezekiel Elliott's still there. Do you pass him up? This is a really dumb uh, conversation because well, yeah. we don't even know if he's going to be suspended. Well, yeah, you don't. Or I what mean, it'll be, but just hypothetically, yeah, Joe Smith, it doesn't matter who it is. Ezekiel Elliott just brings this top of mind. You know, five well, because games. he is a top three pick, right. or three or four, whatever the case may be. And 
you know, okay, here's your here's your scenario. Basically, you either pass on him at whatever you're at. Say, I mean, you use three, we'll use three. You pass on him at three, and you go whoever, Beckham or Brown or Beckham or Brown, whatever, whatever. Julio, one of those wide receivers. Yeah, exactly. Or do you take him and know for five games? Well, and know that you better grab Darren McFadden, right? Ahead of your league mates. Now, what does that do to your draft strategy when you're trying to build, you know, a solid team? Yeah, now, okay, my running game's okay still, Mm -hmm. but now you've already given up a wide receiver, a top tight end, or another running back just to have that cuff. Right. And I think it's interesting. We've, like I said, we've last two off seasons. We've talked about this with Le'Veon Bell, and and it happens where if you take Le'Veon Bell, if you're the guy who pulls that trigger, not only are you giving up those two, three, four, and they kept reducing it. I don't even remember each year what what the what the final tally ended up being for that suspension. But then you also had to value and pick up a D'Angelo Williams two full rounds before, maybe three or four. Depending, Williams was a different case. But before anybody else would, before you would generally even consider them, so you're giving up that value at that pick as well. But I'll tell you what, if you were confident, and I don't think you could ever be confident, I'll tell you what I would do if I had that third overall pick. I'd take Antonio Brown, and if I knew Zeke was falling, if you could turn around and get him in the second round, you know, it's, most folks are looking at him third, fourth, fifth round with that suspension. You take him in the second, you're going to have to get another running back coming back down at the third pick of the third round. As you said, maybe get Alfred Moore, or not Alfred Morris. I think they're going to cut <laughs> Darren him, McFadden. Baron McFadden, later on. You know, in five or six weeks when Ezekiel Elliott comes back, now all of a sudden you got Antonio Brown and Ezekiel Elliott. It's kind of a game of chess. It's a game of chicken. It's a know-your-league situation. But like I said, we're using Elliott. I know this is a stupid conversation because this is just conjecture at this point that something may be coming down the pike. But I think in general, because if the last few years have said, told us anything, Rick, if it's not Ezekiel Elliott, it's going to be somebody in those first two rounds who's either going to get nicked up and be out four to six right. weeks at the beginning of the year, which I tend to view those a little differently because so many times those guys don't come back to their full selves if they get hurt in the preseason, or somebody's going to get suspended. Something's yeah. going to happen. Well, it's very now. significant, too, and I mean, it's actually a good segue to what we'll be covering a good portion of the show. Now, if you're talking Le'Veon Bell, you know, David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott with this kind of stuff, it's not, I mean, it's very significant because these backfields are one running back heavy. Oh, yeah. They're not crowded back there. The the few and the proud. Exactly. And, you know, another team, it's kind of like big deal, next guy up, who cares? Right. And, And you wouldn't notice a whole lot. I mean, it would be like, in Minnesota, when you had McKinnon and Asiata and, you know, the other four guys named Mo back there that really made no difference because it was all about the same. But with a guy like Elliott, a guy like David Johnson, of course, Le'Veon Bell is a little uh, – D'Angelo William owners loved it when Le'Veon Bell was out. D'Angelo but then again, a championship with Le'Veon yeah. Bell getting hurt. But when Bell came back in – D'Angelo went to the sidelines. That's what we mean by right. it's not yeah, crowded back there. And we'd have that discussion every offseason, you know, as well as D'Angelo Williams is running the ball, how much work 
is he going to take away from Le'Veon? And the answer was a big fat yeah, zippy. None. If Le'Veon Bell is healthy and not suspended, which are two things that don't seem to happen often enough right. for Steeler fans and for Le'Veon Bell owners, but when he's healthy and on the field, nobody's taking any that work from him. I think similarly with David Johnson. And I don't know. Did you even know anybody else was in Dallas last year once Ezekiel got going? Oh, I know. You know we had talked about. I know you talked a lot about Alfred Morris, and I had that man love all these years for Darren McFadden. Those two guys, Dunbar, you name the 15 guys that yeah. were behind and that we had this discussion about this time last year, and it was nobody. Well, it Darren nobody. McFadden broke his arm or elbow looking for a phone right. or something well, like that, and Alfred Morris could do nothing. Well, he had to tweet at Asylum Football on Twitter. He was trying well, that, to talk to us. Exactly. And unfortunately, he got hurt. So, Rick, those are take the Ezekiel Elliott uh, concern away. Take... Uh, the Le'Veon Bell liking to get high situation away. Those are situations we don't have to concern ourselves with. Rick, as happens more and more every year, there are some real, real crowded backfields heading into the league this year, and it's going to make it tough for fantasy football owners to – to number one, wait for running backs. I think we're getting back Rick, to the time where you value the, the number one stud running backs early in this draft. Whereas I think in the past, those top three would have been the top three, I think, irregardless, right? Right. But now you're seeing some other, you know, good, solid running backs going higher than they would have in years past. Well, let's see. I mean, uh, reemerged in Buffalo, Shady. I mean, he certainly. He's being first-round pick. Oh, easily. Am I stupid to say he was late second, early third last season? No, I think that was pretty accurate statement there. Jordan Howard's asserted himself. He's going at that turn. Our boy uh, is going at the turn. I mean, the, you're seeing yeah, – I've been doing some MFL 10s, been a little bit of mocking, but mainly MFL 10s. You're seeing seven, eight, nine running backs going in the first 13 picks, which hasn't been the case the last several years. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I think you're going to see more and more of it. Look, Jacksonville, Fournette, I think he's going to be yeah. the the run back heavy guy. Yeldon couldn't seem to handle the load. And, of course, you know, they've never – they haven't had a running back since MJD, really, for that one specific yeah. – And that should be on the list we're going to discuss here. When you look at a rookie in Fournette, you got Yeldon, who didn't succeed necessarily, but came in with the pedigree he came in with. And right. you got Chris Ivory in town, who, who couldn't stay healthy and, and went out there, didn't do much. So I think this is – if Fournette comes in healthy, he's ready for the NFL, and he performs like Leonard Fournette can, you're going to forget all about those other two. <clears throat> Maybe you get Yeldon in and passing downs. I don't know. Right. He's not much of a pass catcher either in, in my opinion i don't know if he maybe had that reputation but i think you see fournette as a three down back as they try to get away from bortles flinging the ball around 65 times and throwing four picks in the first half of every game well then throw it 65 in the second half because you're down well yeah that happens a lot so here's what we're going to examine here we're going to take the rest of the show to do it i'm not talking about nba free agency nf nhl free agency it's fantasy football week here on the asylum as you'll hear uh in the next episode we're going to do pretty similar thing with the wide receivers so here's the criteria i used rick so i have a list now you feel free to cram in any other team you want whatever you want to do my criteria was where not even just two back situations, because those are so common, I don't even think it's worth discussing anymore. So you, you very rarely have your number one stud back. 
I think most commonly you have your, your two, your thunder and your lightning, or you're just two splitting carries. I pulled teams, and there was a surprising amount. I came out with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different teams who have three or more who are going to could possibly contribute. So what we're going to do is we're going to sit here on the 4th of July. We're going to suss this thing out, Rig. Who's going to be the guy? Do we get involved in these situations at all, or do we avoid them? So if there's any of these two got back systems you want to talk about, you go ahead and cram it in. All right. But these are going to be in alphabetical order, Rick, because I just went right down the rosters. And you got so it, So let's man. start out with your favorite team, the team of your youth, Rick, the Baltimore Ravens. You want to talk about a messy, <laughs> youth? messy situation. <laughs> well, you were a big Baltimore Ravens fan back in the 70s, right? There was no Baltimore Ravens in the 70s. That's the point. You were supposed to agree, and everybody would uh, say how no. dumb we were, and we get attacked on uh, Twitter. I'm uh, trying to go by. Sorry. sorry. Okay. You, you were mentioning before we went on the air that our, our yeah. friends over at the Bull Rush podcast are suffering what I like to call from asylum disease where if you try to make a joke or a witty quip <laughs> yeah. you get attacked savagely for not yeah. sitting here reading off statistics so yes from from I like what I to call that stats and starch yeah that's you what know, it just is. be stiff upper lip and read off some read stats, stats you know, yeah and that, that, that's what I want to do on my long commute is sit down and listen to some turd read numbers right <laughs> you know, you, like you can't get the numbers yourself right. everybody get over themselves let the bull rush have some fun Please. Exactly. All right, Rick, the team of your youth, the Baltimore Ravens. Kenneth Dixon expected to be the guy heading in. He's got himself a little four-game suspension to start the year. Danny Woodhead comes in, kind of muddies the water a little bit. I, I think you and I are of different opinions of Danny Woodhead. And uh, who else do we have there? Terrence West, who was the number one back, started out kind of hot at the beginning of last Good year. Good old Buck Allen still really there. Really off. Yeah, I didn't even list Buck Allen. I think he's probably the odd man out. Maybe West. I don't know who it is. What do you make of this situation, Rick? Well, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think that um, you'll probably have, this is my honest opinion, and because and, I can see it makes sense on this team. You use West and Dixon basically as your thunder and lightning and Danny Woodhead's in passing situations. And why not? I think I would get involved late round because you can get him cheap. I get involved in Dixon. I got excited about that kid at the end of the year last year. He he sort of started to show all that promise that he came in. These dynasty guys were on top of him, Rick, early on, and I just wasn't seeing it. Wasn't seeing it. West got all that work at the beginning, and he started tailing off. Here's my concern. I think Dixon's the best back. Harbaugh's already said he's the number one when he comes back. For it, for a coach to be saying that in July, now two things. He might have said it in June. Two things. A lot can change between the 4th of July and the ball going in the air the first sun, the second Sunday in September whenever the season starts. Right. So I grant you that. That, that can certainly change, number one. And number two, I don't know what else he's supposed to say, right? Oh, exactly. But here's my concern with that. I think he he comes back, he gets the number one. I think this squeezes West or Allen out. One of those two is going to get cut. I have. And it to won't presume. be West over. I don't think you so. Think. Buck Allen seemed to just be like a, almost like a flash in a pan because he just hasn't seemed to. A week was it last year? Or the season before we fielded about <laughs> yeah. three solid weeks of every question involved yep. Buck Allen. But I mean Terrence West and Dixon, I haven't seen enough of really to make a judgment of. I like what I see. 
But in Baltimore, such a mess last year. But they were both. I think West was 4.0 yards per carry. Dixon was 4.3. I mean, nothing spectacular. Five touchdowns for one, two for another. No, you know, nothing really stood out. Right. But I do like what I saw from Dixon better than West. But I think that's what you're going to see. If John, you know, you probably see Terrence West start off as the starter. Oh, certainly. And you know, I. I just think it's going to be more of a tandem until Dixon either A, has more experience, whatever it is that he's more comfortable and takes over. But uh, I think Danny Woodhead seriously right. is the key in yeah. the third down and end zone. And even, you know, not saying end zone first and goal, but I mean right. from the five in, oh, that kind certainly. of thing. And, and I think that's where he becomes, to me, the most ownable. Is, is that a word, ownable? <laughs> of course it is. The most ownable running back on this team. Because there's going to be question marks with Dixon if they keep West around. Danny Woodhead comes in here. All indications are he's healthy. He's 100%. He's ready to go. Nobody, I think we talked about this on one of the shows last week, Rick, nobody in the NFL threw to the running back more often than the Baltimore Ravens last season. And it, I don't even think it was close. It, it was Are you serious? Huge, huge percentage. Yes, I'm serious. Wow. I, I was mean, stunned, too. I would have never – I mean, I'm not a huge stat guy. I mean, I like looking at things like that. And I would have never dreamed that they were – they led the league throwing the running backs. Yeah, you keep talking, Rick. I'm going to find the number for Well, I mean, one concern that I do have with Danny Woodhead is – He's really not a spring chicken anymore, but I tell you, and that knee was torn up. I mean, if he's healthy, I mean, the kid's tough. We know that. And if they say he's healthy, we'll know, you know, come preseason. There's no doubt about that. And you'll get a better feel of him. You always are, are, you know, a little leery of of serious knee injuries like that. But um, I don't know. I mean, Woodhead's a tough kid, and if he's healthy – yeah, I think he's going to be valuable, especially in that type of game that we just talked about. All right, I'm struggling to find That's the okay. number here, Rick, the percentage. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Well, let's move off All the right. I still think I, there are concerns with Danny Woodhead, Rick. I, I agree. I, that was a devastating, devastating injury, and I grant you that. But this is what he does, and if they're going to continue, because look at you know, now every tight end is dead, retired, suspended. There are no tight ends of note in an offense that uses the tight end a good bit as well and a team that already uses a running back position who in my opinion still has a lot of question marks at that wide receiver position well they just lost the league leading in receptions tight end last year right dennis pitta his backup just got himself suspended for the season so you take that option away now i don't know is probably by the time you hear this this leaves my mouth and gets to your ears they've signed gary barnage you know to call back to yeah Aurelio's group we can get him in there i'm just looking at some of the stats last year terrence west had 34 receptions right okay um Dixon, I know, couldn't have had that much playing time where he was just eating up receptions. He had 30. That's 64 um, back receptions right there. Okay, here we are. Okay. From Matthew Berry, an article uh, here on ESPN.com, 100 facts for the 2017 fantasy football season. Okay. And remember that title. On Thursday's episode, we're going to have a conversation about that. I'm saving it for for that show, Rick. We're going to talk about that. 
Last season was Marty Mardingwig's first in the offensive coordinator position in Baltimore. In that season, 26.9% of completions went to members of the backfield. For comparison's sake, Odell Beckham Jr. accounted for 26.8% of the receptions the Giants had. A full quarter, of, so maybe it wasn't attempts. Maybe I indicated yeah, okay. I, I, that makes more sense. Over a quarter of their past receptions were made by running backs. Right. So it makes perfect sense why they brought a Danny Woodhead in. Yeah. If you're still playing in a PPR league, I take note of that. Now, I don't go crazy. He's still 7th, 8th, ninth round somewhere in oh, there yeah. if you waited on a running back. But I take him ahead of Dixon, and I take him ahead of West. I take him clearly ahead of West and, and still ahead of Dixon unless you're in a PPR exactly. or, a, or a keeper dynasty. Whew, that was a that was an adventure trying to find that. So thank you, Matthew Barry. Those are my kind words. We'll get to the rest in the next episode. All right, Rick, let's move on. That's way too much Baltimore Ravens talk. The next team for me, staying in the bees, the Cincinnati Bengals, Rick. This one is fascinating <laughs> to me. So you bring in the rookie, Joe Mixon. Uh, so many pundits say, and I'm not a draft nick, you know that, but so many of the draft nicks say probably even in a Leonard Fournette season in the draft, Joe Mixon might be the most talented running back in the draft this season. Obviously did that horrible, horrible thing in the offseason, dropped him way down dashboard or dashboards, there we go, or draft boards for, yeah. for our English-speaking friends. Looking like uh, – you know, Joe Mixon probably going to be the number one guy heading in. You still have, we talked about him a little bit last week with uh, Giovanni Bernard. He's banged up. The big thing for him coming off that ACL, a lot of word around Cincinnati that he's not going to be ready at the start of the season. So, which I think maybe muddies it even more because when does he come back and is he healthy when he gets back? And of course, Jeremy Hill was just pathetic last year 3.8 yards per carry. But here's the problem. He had nine touchdowns in 2016. Well, somebody had to score. Between the fives, you know, we always talk about between the 20s. Between yeah. the fives, he was pathetic. But he was getting in the end zone. Nine touchdowns last season. What, <laughs> where are we going with this one? Well, you know, I, everybody's saying Joe Mixon's the guy. But, you know, if, if you remember a couple years ago, everybody – but me was saying Jeremy Hill's a guy. Right. And it was a Jeremy Hill guy. I don't you know. Got me on that one. I'm not sure if the, if this is their game. If if it's just you know, bang, bang, bang. I mean they I do love to flip I mean, it around have, for they a they team not with had Andy a, Dalton at quarterback yeah. and only one wide receiver. They love to chuck it around. I mean, when was the last time they had a dominant back? Corey Dillon? Probably, yeah. And that's, what, 15 or more years ago. It's been a ago. long time since yeah. Corey Dillon was rolling in Cincinnati. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure if this is their game. You know, I mean, I think he'll probably get the majority of the work, Joe Mixon I'm, I'm referring to. But Jeremy Hill is young. Bernard's young. They're all early to mid-20s. Right. And, I mean, if unless, you know, Bernard gets cut, if he doesn't, if he's not prepared – you know, for the season with the ACL, maybe just not healing right. I mean, you have Cedric Pierman, Trey Carson, and Stanley Williams. I mean, that's that's what's left in that stable. Stanley Williams. I wish a guy like that would become a star, a guy that sounds like an accountant. Yeah, I, I'd be a Stanley Williams fan. Oh, yeah. But I don't think we're going to see much Stanley. He'd be a Stan. You think uh, so? Oh, yeah. He'd I'd stand. stick with Stanley. It sounds more distinguished. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I think going in, this is Joe Mixon's job. Clear, clear away number okay, one. Okay, here, here's the thing. I mean, okay, you're looking for your. Uh, I'm having computer troubles, but Shocker. you're you're yeah, stunning, isn't it? Okay, you're in a league, and you've got a, a running back one, and maybe got a wide receiver and whatever. And now, okay, I better get a running back too. Right. I mean, you know, is is, is somebody like a Joe Mixon on your radar as opposed to? Oh, I don't know. Boy, it's, it's kind of hard to throw um, guys out there. Uh, well, Fournette will be gone before him because yeah. there's so much hype on it. Carlos Hyde. You know, Hyde was sneaky good last year. I'd probably take Hyde. I, I don't worry about Williams coming. There's a lot of talk from the Gurley. dynasty guys. I'd go Gurley. Hey, see, I mean, this is, this is what I'm talking about. I mean, because it, it's – I mean, you're rolling the dice with a guy like Mixon, right? I mean, if they if he were coming into whatever picket, say he was coming into a Dallas, and they said, okay, this is the guy. Okay, you're gonna say, okay, this is the guy. Yeah, yeah, this and is a money situation. May, yeah, I agree. I, I'm not. You we're gonna have to gauge this. Uh, you know, the old monitor the right. situation because Cincinnati's kind of muddy right now. We don't really know the status of Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill. He's been so awful, but he's young. The potential still there. Because Cincinnati stunk last year. Here's where I want to, you know, I, I want to walk away from each of these with something, something definitive. I am. Now I'm not saying I'm avoiding Joe Mixon, but I am valuing Joe Mixon lower than most of our colleagues for this reason. I'm going to go ahead and assume, for for the purposes of this discussion, I'm going to assume he lives up to the hype. I'm going to assume he's the best running back in this draft class, or at least equal to Fournette, okay? I'm going to assume that. Well, you can agree or disagree. It doesn't matter. For this conversation, I'm going to assume that. Here's my concerns. Jeremy Hill, as bad as he was, we talked about, had nine touchdowns last year. So you have that concern. Now, that happens across the board. So you don't avoid a player because of that, but it does hurt his value a little bit, right? So... That's not concern number one with Joe Mixon. The other number two, what you have, Joe Mixon's pretty dynamic in the passing game. Well, what's Giovanni Bernard's specialty? So now I'm going in. I don't know when Bernard's going to be back, if he's going to be back. But let's assume Bernard comes back healthy sometime in October. Now all of a sudden, so you've got Jeremy Hill cutting into the touchdown number, Mixon's potential touchdown numbers, and then you have a Giovanni Bernard cutting into his receptions. Now all of a sudden, you have yourself a pretty damn average running back. And, and that's where my concern is. Because we have seen, coming off that spectacular rookie season Jeremy Hill had, and him becoming a number one running back, he was drafted as a you know a nine, ten, eleven, the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth running back in those years, and he couldn't get he he played poorly, and Giovanni Bernard was on the field more than he was. They like Giovanni Bernard; he's got a good rapport with Andy Dalton. If he comes back and he's healthy, that's less snaps. Mixon's going to be on the field. Plus, if Jeremy Hill has that nose for the end zone and he's getting the goal line carries, that really puts an. I'm avoiding Joe Mixon unless I'm getting him a lot later than where he's probably going to go. Yeah. I agree 100%. All right, still in the bees, Rick, the killer bees. This one, I hate talking about this one. This team has been our just bugaboo for years and years now. The Denver Broncos, Rick, in their running back situation. Your favorite player in the league, C.J. Anderson, Devontae Booker, the darling last year. They brought your boy Jamal Charles into town, and then seven guys named Stan. Stan Lee, Stanley. up there in Denver. What the hell are we doing with the Broncos? Well, I'll tell you what. 
this is going to be one of those situations where I don't necessarily think we're not talking about Booker. We're not talking about anybody else. All we're talking about is C.J. Anderson you think? and Jamal Charles. Okay. Simple as that. Because, number one, if Charles is healthy, you know, and, I mean, it can actually perform, which he couldn't do last year when they said, oh, he's ready and this, that, and the other. If he's ready, he'll play. And it's not going to be a C.J. Anderson show the whole way. If they find out that his knee's no good and he can't play any longer, it's Anderson. Right. And, and I'm not afraid to take Anderson. And, and I'm still kind of curious to see how much, you know, because it's, it's so different now, you know, because the coaching staff has changed. It's, it's not the, the, the running backs that are getting used as much. You know, with um, Kubiak, and um, you know, because it's just a di- different. Boy, I'm having. Some, I'm, I apologize. Yeah, you I, are sputtering. I, I can't help it. It, it is so frustrating when <laughs> you know you have this muttering. wonderful service that you're trying to pull up one one little screen here, and nothing will do anything. I mean, it just locks up. It's gone. But anyway, um, you know, no. This is where a producer would come in. Hey, well, or, yeah, but he's in, in interpretive dance still. <laughs> Have you heard from him? Um, When's the last time you even talked to Alejandro Hermosa? Oh, I texted him a week or two ago. Did you? Yeah. Did he respond? Oh, yeah, he responded. He was probably pirouetting. Well, yeah. While he was texting. but uh, Having a vitamin water break. I don't have any problem with C.J. Anderson. I, let's, let's just cut to the chase. I don't really have any problem with him. Because I don't think Jamal Charles is going to be able to carry the load. Oh, no, no, no. So, and, and Booker and, and nobody else on that team, I don't think, is the talent of Anderson. No, he is so darn frustrating, Rick. Remember, we he was one of the guys that got us shunned from the bigs of the industry. Was it two seasons ago, three seasons ago, whatever it was, where everyone expected him to become some sort of strange crossbreed of Jim Brown and Adrian Peterson, and we dared to disagree, and, and, and we got that one right. Although at the end of that year, he showed that plant that foot in the ground one cut and my god look out yeah and he's just never been able to string it together he's been nicked up a little bit so so what's interesting about cj anderson he is going as rb 22 right now according to the adp so i'm real good with cj anderson right there you know he's sort of a low end two. you probably have somebody right. within the next 10 you know if you're drafting correctly you've got somebody within the next 10 of the adp in there to back him up i'm with you i throw booker out he was pathetic last year and there were so many people that thought he was going to beat out cj anderson at the beginning of the year for carries couldn't do it when anderson struggled and got nicked up booker comes in. he only averaged three and a half yards of carry and only caught 31 balls he was supposed to be a good receiving running back so i'm with you i, I throw booker completely out what you wonder with cj anderson you got two points average 4.6 yards per carry in his career so that's not too bad well, that's, no, well, that's pretty damn good. I should actually not too bad. It's kind of a stupid, <laughs> stupid way to put that. But Jamal Charles is such a wild card. My assumption is going to be he's nothing. He's an afterthought. And I, but 
if he comes in and that knee is healthy and he's 100% healthy, he's Jamal Charles. He's going to get a look, right? Sure. And if he shows a little bit of success, he's going to get more and more and more. It's unlikely, but that's where he doesn't make me nervous at this price, at the 22nd overall running back. I don't think that's a scary proposition, but it's something you're going to have in the back of your head where in the likely scenario is Anderson's going to be the number one back all of, all the time and maybe Charles just gets some cursory looks. Or hell, Charles might not be on this team come September. I think there's every possibility of that as oh, well. Exactly. But if he makes that team, that's going to be non and at the back a little bit. But I'm with you, CJ Anderson. You you can throw or Devonte Booker. I'm sorry, you can throw him right out the window. I agree. And I mean, it, uh, everything really. Oh yeah, now we're done with Denver. It pops up. Isn't hey. that great? I mean, they've already got him second on the depth chart as far as running back. I mean, I mean, it's Jamal Charles. But if he's off the team. Devontae Booker, Jawan Thompson, D'Angelo Henderson, and old Bernard Pierce still hanging around. It's a C.J. Anderson show. Yeah, yeah. So I think maybe he becomes that number one. From a fantasy standpoint, and of course this is purely my selfishness, I'm hoping Jamal Charles is basically done. Well, that's your boy. Well, I called it two years ago, though. That's true. I mean, I just... I argued with you vehemently, too. I, 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 I believe just, I called you stupid. Yeah. Well, you are stupid, <laughs> well, but you got that one, right? Yeah. And, and Blind I mean, squirrel scenario. But C.J. Anderson, I, I think, would be extremely valuable if Jamal Charles isn't back there. Right, right. Yeah, you'd almost like to see... I get your point now. You see Charles get cut. Right. You know Booker's no threat unless Anderson gets hurt. Right, exactly. Now, now you, wonder, you wonder, too, if the just pathetic quarterback core they have. Maybe nobody can succeed here, but that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> Good point. All right, Rick, I don't know how much darn time we want to spend on this because it's going to be a mess. We know what the answer is, but the Patriots. I more want to bring them in, Mike Gillisley. God, everybody's talking about him like he's the second coming of, of Jim Brown himself. Uh, obviously, James White was just a darling of the playoffs last year. Blunt gone and Deion Lewis. Everybody, you know, like I'm a pit guy. I love Deion Lewis, too. But, boy, everybody after that three or four-game stretch two seasons ago, everybody wants Deion Lewis to be a star. Good luck. Go ahead and shuffle this deck for me. Look, we've already watched people jump on the Deion Lewis bandwagon. We've already seen people jump on the James White bandwagon. We've seen people jump on the Mo Howard bandwagon when he was there three years ago, whoever it may have been. Mo Howard. I like that. Well, the you know, ballad of Mo Howard. You know who Mo Howard is, don't no. you? Mo. Three Stooges. Oh, I didn't know they had last names. Yeah. Did they all have last names? Well, Mo, Curly, and Shemp were all brothers in real life. Oh, so they were all Howards. Well, except for Larry. He was Larry Fine. Really? Yep. Did they ever address that in the show? So those were their real names, Larry, Mo. Obviously, Curly wasn't a real name. No, he was his. Who came first, Curly or Shemp? Shemp was the oldest. Okay. Then Mo, and Curly was the youngest. Curly's real name was Jerome, and Mo was actually Morris. That makes sense. And Larry was actually a professional boxer, and he was a professional violin player. I don't like that. I'm serious. I don't like a, a guy, a funny guy, being a renaissance man. For some reason, that bothers me. <laughs> well, the reason he was a professional violin player was he had a severe burn when he was a child, which really burned a lot of the tissue off his arm. So they made him play a fiddle, you know, using the injured arm as the one to run the bow for exercise. Huh. 
And that's how I like to learn how to play the fiddle. Charlie Daniels style, not violin. Well, exactly. Style. Yeah. I mean, What's your last name again? Larry Fine. No, Bo. Or Mo. Howard. Howard. Mo Howard. Like <laughs> yeah. O.J. Howard. Yeah, yeah, just like that one in the hospital. Do- calling Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard. I missed that one. Oh, well. Well, I just don't remember. So that's this now, episode, The Ballad of Mo Howard. As, as we ramble, they don't even know what we're talking about now, other than the Three Stooges. And yeah, what were we doing? Oh, the stupid Patriots. Yeah. But anyway, we've we've seen everybody jump on somebody's bandwagon on that team. Rex Burkhead's in town. You know, Mike Gillisey, James White's still there. Deion Lewis still sort of injured, but I'm sure he'll be back. It could be anybody. So I'll tell you, I this. don't want any of these guys. Did you know, Rick? Did you know? Did you know? The more you know. This is interesting to me. I think he did this quietly. He did this sneakily. If you're in a PPR league, Rick, obviously we saw what he did in the playoffs, and he should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl. I'm talking about James White, of course. Right. Do you know he had 60 catches last year? And not only did he have 60 catches, he had them on 86 targets. Yeah. That's a guy worth owning in PPR. I, agree. I mean, he's an RB3. I agree 100%, Rick. I, but I have to get him. Now, James White's a little different animal there. I, he really, there's something about this kid that's special, I think. If, if they would use a darn running back, I think James and White could be that guy. I still could see the same scenario using Gillisey. He's a touchdown machine. As blunt and using White as White was last year. And I would like that. Gillisey had eight touchdowns last year. Right. On a team that Shady McCoy is the running back for. He had eight touchdowns. Right. He's LeGarrette Blunt. Not who, to that level. Who do you take? Okay, we're PPR. James White's going to go first, right? in my mind anyway, over at Gillisey on New England. But where do you take him? Uh, Sixth? Eighth? Seventh? Fifth? Six, seven, eight. My RB3, probably. I, I want two that are going to carry them. Well, in a true... 60 catches, 551 yards, and five touchdowns receiving if you're in a PPR. Well, I'll tell you this. James White is going right now in PPR AP as the 44th running back. I'm going to take him so far ahead of that. Let's go work backwards. Yeah, okay. Okay, you're going to play the game. Here's here's going ahead of him. 43, Kenneth Dixon. That's freaking laughable. White. You want to talk about laughable. Here's 42, Rob Kelly, Fat Rob. We're we're going to get to them. I don't think he's going to be the number one running back in Washington. I think he's clearly number one. You think? Yes. We'll get to Washington. We might have to carry this over next episode because we're three-quarters of the way over. Maybe we'll do receivers next week. We we have committed a guest on on the next show this week. The one that was supposed to be on this week. Oh, did you relent? Yes. Oh, well, no, he's he, he contact. He was sitting right there somewhere along the line. If we can get through, right, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Anyhow, back back on back on point here. Forty-one, Matt Forte. Oh, white. Yeah, I think it's white. Forty, Jamal Charles. White. Thirty-nine, Kareem Hunt. White. Thirty-eight, Latavius Murray. Yeah, white. Thirty-seven, C.J. Procise. He's a third back. Yeah, in white. Can you tell me how Procise is ahead of Latavius Murray? Well, I, don't, well, I think they're both useless this year. But, no, let, let, let's face Look, a number one back on a team, 
I mean, you know, yeah, they drafted, you know, there's going to be competition for Murray. Well, Dalvin Cook's the number one back on that team. It's not even close. You think so? Absolutely. As high I as mean, he drafted I him, he... as dynamic as he is. Well, we'll see. No, oh, that's uh, – I know you love Latavius no, it's No, I don't. In number one, I hate Minnesota. Well, quite frankly, why do you hate you hate them personally? No, or no, no. the situation, oh, just yeah, the, that's the a team. Mess. I, it, yeah, I just they're uh, terrible. Yeah. They stink. And I mean, yeah, I like Cook, and I would take him ahead of Murray. And, and maybe I misspoke. He's not the number one back, but he's. I think he's in line for a lot more playing time than a lot of these guys that we just mentioned. Well, so some of those guys. I'm going to keep going, Rick. This, this is insanity to me. Yeah, you know, I'm double checking to make sure I, right. I have the search criteria in right. Theo Riddick, Frank Gore, Derek Henry, Mark Ingram, Paul Perkins. Until you get up to 31, Perkins, Lacey, Gillisley. Now we're getting in that realm. I mean, some of these guys in between. James White's becoming a value. He's a real value now. Right now, the concern with him. Here's the concern. A lot of that happened with Gronk hurt, right? And Bartellus Bennett couldn't right. stay healthy. If you get those tight ends back, maybe there's not so many options. Martellus Bennett's gone. Well, Gronk will right. get hurt. So. Right, and they bring Dwayne Allen in. Yeah, but pff, Dwayne Allen, give me a break. All right. And it, You've always had vitriol to, towards Dwayne Allen. Dwayne Allen, to me, is um, a, a better version of Ladarius Green. The next big thing that just never is a big. Well, it's, it's a possibility. And... Uh, I mean, maybe I'm I'm a little hard headed when I get get to not liking somebody. No, but you're hard. Dwayne Allen's done nothing you're to warrant any sort of you know love affair from the fantasy world. Let's let's be real. Oh no, no. And and he's not going to in New England. Gronk was hurt last year. I I I don't even have the stats in front of me. I don't think he caught over thirty balls. You wouldn't think. Well, Dwayne Allen wasn't there, huh? Anyhow, doesn't yeah. matter. So here, here's my thing. I think James White is way too low, and I think he could be had for a value. Mike Gillisley going at 29, you know, just a, a top end three. I don't, I'm not sure I buy that. He's not going to have what what uh, Blunt had, 16 touchdowns, I think, last year. Yeah. As much as a goal line threat as Gillisley is, he, he's not going to get that. He's not going to be there. I don't know why we're talking about Gillisley as he, like he's the second coming. I think James White's the guy I want. Right. He's I'm drafting him as an RB3. Hell, you almost have him as a four and play him as a three. But uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm messing with Gillisley. If I could get a value on him, I don't think you're going to. I mean, we're, we're sitting here. Yeah, right. RB29. What has he done to justify that? I don't see it. And I know we're talking about Crowder running back. I know he wasn't in New England, but my point is, Dwayne Allen was supposed to be the number one back on the Colts. He had 35 catches. Jack Doyle yeah, emerged you as. Jack Doyle. <laughs> Jack Doyle. Where did this come from? Jesse James. Jack Doyle. <laughs> you, you love them big, plotting tight ends. That's your kind of thing. You like those guys. I don't know. I, I bet you loved Bubba Franks back in the day, didn't you? You no. seemed like a Bubba Franks kind No, of guy. I did not like Bubba Franks. But he was good for a touchdown every week. One catch, three yards, and a touchdown. I like Jason Witten. <laughs> well, yeah, Jason. Now, he looks more like one of those plotting tight ends you like, but he does a lot more damage. So yeah. maybe that's what you're looking for, guys who look like J- Jason Witten. Heath Miller, same way. Yep, see, big, yeah. slow white guys. That's your thing. I, guess <laughs> I don't that's care what, what color they are. Well, but they just yeah. all happen to be. Yeah. You know, we're not going to make it a race thing. No, look, look at Antonio <laughs> Gates. He he wasn't fast, I love but this, he'll kill people. I love this world we live 
<laughs> now, I wish we, we got to get the video component. We'll talk about that here pretty soon because I think we're, we're getting closer to yeah, that well, than you think. But I just say the word white guy, and all of a sudden both <laughs> of our, Rick's arms shoot up. <laughs> I don't care what color they are. You know, th- as if to say, if there's 1% chance he's calling me a racist, I'm squashing that right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I responded to somebody posting some article on Twitter you get off a couple Twitter, of weeks Rick. ago. And it, and it stated, where are all the African-Americans in baseball? Okay? Granted, the highest percentage, I believe, is white. And then I believe it's like Hispanic. It surprises okay. me it's not reverse of that. Okay. My problem is, and I looked up the stats, 80% of the NBA is African-American, 70% of the NFL you know what? When it comes to these leagues, and this this is just going, the color's green, man. Right. Yeah, it don't matter I don't, who you are. I will. There are a lot of cases you can convince me that racism still exists. I know it does. Where it doesn't exist is in professional sports. If you're the best player and you can make your team the most money, you're going to play. Yep. <laughs> you're right. You could just toss that aside. Well, let's get off the Patriots and run as fast as we can <laughs> away from the race topic. Rick. i got to hop in and check our time here. Next up, the Philadelphia Eagles. You we, babble, I will check it. We have spent so much time on LeGarrette Blunt coming off those 18 touchdowns. Only averaged 3.9 yards a carry, but hell, most of his carries came from the three-yard line, so hard to fault him for that, but it's never worked anywhere else, so Blunt muddies it up. My boy Ryan Matthews, uh, bad, banged up last year, 4.3 yards per carry, 18, 18, only 18 TDs, but he showed flashes when he was healthy. And he's still got Darren Sproles out there, averages right around 50, 50 catches a year his entire time in Philadelphia. How's this situation move you, Rick? I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I don't either. We're at about 10 minutes, so... I really like what LeGarrette Blunt has done. And I don't think we've covered enough on the show, but you and I have, have beat this dead horse to death, you know, off air. He's failed everywhere, everywhere but New England. And I'm not sure how this transition is going to, to take place. Has he matured? Has Does he kind of like being a touchdown machine? He could be. He could turn into that in Philadelphia. He could turn into a disgruntled, you know, cancer on the lineup, too. Well, let's think about this. He was a success in New England. He came to Pittsburgh, didn't finish the season. In that same season, walked out of high right. field in the middle of a game. Immediately went back to New England that year. It was an instant success again. Right. That tells me there's something about that organization. There's something about the hoodie that reigns that guy in. Now, that's been a few years now. It's possible he's matured, but I'll tell you what, it is so darn risky. So risky. To, to, we've seen it. Here. Abject failure in Tampa Bay. Great New England. Walked out of Pittsburgh mid-game. <laughs> Went to New England. <laughs> yeah. It's not a joke. He walked out mid-game. I know. It's true. <laughs> we <laughs> watched him. Right. And it goes back to New England that year and is a success and has been ever since. But the other problem is I think he's a specialist now. I really do, Rick. I don't think he sees a ton of between-the-20s work. I think Ryan Matthews still gets the work. What I find intriguing about Philadelphia, you know, Darren Sproles, God, I feel like he's 47 years old now. I don't think he's – it feels like he's been in the league forever. It's 
seems like it. I know a lot of these guys do. But up for catching 50 balls a year, they bring in Alshon Jeffrey. They bring in Torrey Smith when we, you know, when we talk about the wide receivers. All of a sudden, they got a good receiver core. Everything Carson Wentz did in his rookie year, if he takes a step forward, I don't know how much of a emphasis are they going to have on the running game i wonder if it's going to be much at all that i'll tell you what it's weird it seems upside down and backwards that whole afc east is almost like that this yeah, year that that's right. going to be the that's going to be or the nfc east for for people who've watched football before and it's going to be like that nf nfc south i think they're going to be flinging it around through the snowflakes in december i'll tell you Legarrette blunt is interesting he's um you know last year he had almost 300 carries with new england so, I mean, they handed him the rock. There's no question about it. He only averaged 3.9 yards a carry. 3.9, 18 you know, touchdowns. With the 18 touchdowns. But what I'm worried about on his between the 20s work, he only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. I promise you he never faced an eight-man box. <laughs> Not right. one time. Right. Not one time. So, I just don't think he's your between the 20s back. I really no, don't. No, I agree with you. I think he's a risky proposition. I think he's great RB3. Yeah, and he's right now, his ADP's 25. That's a, that's a bit high for me. Yeah, it is to me, too. Going ahead. Well, but if you look at the guys he's going ahead of, Powell, I'd take him ahead of Powell. Woodhead, I'd take him ahead of Woodhead. Yeah. Dalvin Cook, I'd take Cook ahead of him. Eddie Lacy, I don't know what to make Eddie Lacy. If we get to that, we're not going to get to them this episode. Maybe another episode we'll pick this back up. Paul Perkins, I would take ahead of him just because Paul Perkins is the only cat in town. You know, how much work's Vereen going to take? Perkins is an interesting guy. Right. Mark Ingram. So, I don't know. When you look at it, it's probably about where he should go. It just gets real ugly from, from 25 on, quite right. frankly. But yeah, I don't know what to make of it. I think Ryan Matthews is probably going to see his carries between the 20s, but uh, he's not going to get in the end zone. He's not going to be in on passing downs, which I think there's going to be so many more passing downs for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Finally, having a wide receiver core, you know, that's, I think it's Blunt, then Spiller, <laughs> probably in there, and Spiller goes after a Woodhead, after your specialty back. Spiller's sort of that forgotten one who might be worth having this season. Yeah, I, yeah, Spiller, I'm never touching, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I Ryan Matthews to me is the most talented. Darren Sproles is probably going to be the best value on that team. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I, want, I want to cover a little bit before we get off here. Right, we got about four minutes, so throw it out there. The the Rob Kelly, you know the okay the um, backfield in Washington. I don't think that that backfield is all that crowded. Rob Kelly has worked out extremely hard in the off season. He went from eighteen percent body fat down to below ten. He's cutting faster. He's quicker on his feet, and there's the competition. I don't think is there. Chris Thompson, I don't think is any threat. No, he's, I mean, he's a gonna, third down back. Yeah, he's going to catch some balls. Matt Jones, they're going to cut him. Yeah, he's, cut he's him. already demanded to be cut. Exactly, and and you have Mac Brown, Keith Marshall, and Samaji Perrine. Now Perrine, I think. I like Perrine. A lot of people think he's going to come in and take the job. I don't think he is. Now cutting weight, being quicker, that might make the difference. He only averaged. Fat Rob, that is, 4.2 yards of carry last year. Right. And it was closer to three in the second half of the season. So he wore down. Maybe if he's in better shape, maybe he's in an NFL shape. Now, if all that's true, maybe he holds off Pirine. But I think Pirine's going to get a chance. You re- you remember the little, you know, Bud Dupree thing in his rookie season. Right. You know, he found out, you know, because he set the world on fire the first half of the season. 
disappeared the second half. Then he started working out with James Harrison in the offseason. He said he had no idea how to train for the <laughs> NFL. Did you I mean, see? you know, that's what I think happened to Rob Kelly as well. Did you see James Harrison? This man's, what, 68 years old, I believe. They showed one of his workouts is he's playing a form of volleyball with a yeah. medicine ball, and it looked more like a boulder. I've never seen a medicine ball that big, <laughs> where he's catching it over his shoulder and flinging it back over his shoulder over the volleyball. Now, this guy is a freak. Just a freak. You know, NFL's testing him every other week. Have you seen that? He's great yeah. about that. And he keeps passing, and they keep testing. There's some substance. They, they want to find something bad because there is no logical explanation for James Harris. It's called muscle. He's just a man. Yeah. Just an absolute man. All right. Well, I tell you what, we have about killed it on some of our tangents. We didn't cover as much as we wanted to, but uh, that's the way it goes with the asylum, and we will certainly start covering some things. Join us later on this week, uh, Thursday, I think, the next episode will be popping up on Arena Sports Network. We'll be covering some uh, wide receiver cores, and we're going to be discussing that with uh, an old friend of the, the asylums, Dave Cherney. You may know him uh He's a contributor to the uh, Fake Pigskins, and uh, on Twitter, he's at Road Warrior, but we'll be talking to him next later on in the week. That's right, so check that out. You can follow us on Twitter, at Asylum Football. Still looking, you want to do some voice work, you want to do the intro work for this show, asylumfootballgmail.com, throw that out there, we'll get you in. It's our boy Johnny Reed Foley. I know that, and I just want to pass on to Johnny that the Penguin Hat's still waiting for that picture to be taken there, young fella. It's never going to happen. If it is, it's going to be the penguin hat and two middle fingers. Which I'm all right. <laughs> I'll take that. I have so, no problem. We'll be back next week. And, hey, be on the lookout. We'll get you more information as the weeks go on. The asylum is heading back to Canton. And there's going to be some video content. We're going all out this year because God knows any year might be the last one, Rick. They're going to wise up eventually. <laughs> so that's it. At Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumfootball at gmail.com, asylumfantasysports.com, and, of course, right here every week on the Arena Sports Network, Arena Sports net.com until next time we'll see you take care but if i had a chance to do it again i'd stay by your side and i'd be your man and do everything to make you feel good i try to show you all the love that i should so you could be proud and answer them back